This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Seek a licensed professional for investment advice about crypto or any other investment. Welcome back to the Blazing Crypto Podcast. Uh, we are Justin and Brandon. Uh, this morning, it started to cool down outside a little bit uh, in South Carolina. And speaking of cooling down, uh, the markets. Uh, we are recording this uh, sort of Tuesday evening uh, on uh, Tuesday, the 13th of September. And we had a pretty substantial, sizable um, drop in both equity markets, uh, crypto markets. Really, uh, nothing nothing was, was spared. Uh, so want to talk about that actually jumping right in. Um, we had planned a, a lot of other things to talk about, and we'll get to that stuff. Uh, some big news, uh, Ethereum merge update. Um, and, and kind of a, a talking point on what it takes to win in crypto. Three points we want to get in front of you. But first, let's talk about what happened today. Um, so every month, we've talked about this a handful of times now in the last uh, four or five months. Every month, um, there is CPI data that is released. CPI is the consumer price index. It basically factors in what the inflation percentage is. Uh, it's sort of a month-over-month month comparison. Is it rising? Is it falling? Obviously, we want to see the number going down month-over-month. Month. So um, we've been in sort of the 8% range the last few months, and um, there was an expectation that we were going to be at 8.1% um, for August. So it's the month looking backward. And the report came in today at 8.3%. I think it actually came in about 8.30 Eastern time. Uh, this morning on, on Tuesday morning. So in one sense, 8.3% that it came in at this morning is not that much different than what it's been at, but it exceeded expectations. So, you know, in, in one regard, it's is it is it really that much big of a deal? I mean, it's just another month of data. What's the what's the big problem? Well, then we saw the markets respond. And I mean, you know, Bitcoin just printed a massive red candle, Ethereum, everything, right? But but even equities. I think I got a note at one point that the Dow was down, I think, a thousand points. I got a message about that. Yeah. Um, and so what what was the big deal? And, and this is my read on that. Um, Justin, do you remember growing up and whether it was a school assignment whether it was a job around the house, you know, your parents are gone for the day, they leave you with a job, they come back, the p- car pulls in the driveway, and you realize, oh no, I did not get the job done that I was supposed to. <laughs> um, or you're, <laughs> you, you have a project at work that is of critical importance, and the boss comes in one day and says, hey, Justin, where's the project at? What, what's the status? And you have to basically say, boss, it's behind, we're not on track. And in fact, I'm not even sure when to tell you it will be on track again. That's what I think the market did today with the Fed. I think the market basically said, we've lost confidence in the Fed getting this right. It's taking too long. It's it's too high. We do not see this turning around. We're not going to adjust our positions. We are going to reset our positions. Yeah. Um, so, Justin, I think th- that's the best read I have. So, in one sense, again, eight point one, not terrible. It's not or eight point three, not the end of the world, right? I mean, we've been here for six months, but I think the market finally stepped in and said, "Enough is enough," and if you will, kind of pounded the gavel. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great analogy you use there. Um, and to, to be even perfectly transparent, at one point I, I locked my parents out of the house thinking that uh, I could get away <laughs> with not picking up my Legos. <laughs> so unfortunately, we cannot lock uh, the market makers out of the house <laughs> in this situation. But, the Fed, well, oh, the, it's a great, actually a great analogy extension because that's kind of what the Fed has been doing. <laughs> Every month they tell us, oh, a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, a little bit more. It's called yeah. jawboning, right? It has a technical term. Yeah. And it's just like, we're just not getting there. Yeah. I do think, so, you know, I guess taking what you kind of just laid out and, and applying that to, like, what should we expect for crypto? I think for me, you know, uh, bear markets, we've talked a lot about the bear markets and, and we've said, hey, the, you know, these things can last anywhere from six months for shorter ones, you know, all the way to 12, 18, even 24 months. So it's kind of been like a, a broad spectrum, right? And, and it's hard to really nail down, you know, when the bear market uh, is going to end. You can't really predict it. It just, when it's over, you kind right. of look back and you, and you see it and you know it's there. Um, but I would say for me, I, I mean, I guess we're, we're, Let's see. If you if you said the bear market started, let's say um, in November of last year, we're coming up on ten months um, here. Actually, it'll be almost a year pretty soon. So to me, I I think it extends it. In my opinion, this kind of opens the door for this to be a longer bear market. Um, like it, you know, another three to six months of sideways, sideways downward, like. That's kind of where I'm setting my expectations. So, um, yeah, it's not trying to be all doom and gloom. It's just, you know, have to be realistic that, as you said, <laughs> people, you know, the markets are adjusting their positions and they're kind of like, yeah, it's strapping the seatbelt in uh, and, and it's hard to really know, right. you know, where we go from here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, knew, I was going to say, I know we're not... You know, you and I are not stock market trading experts and hedge fund analysts and all yeah. that stuff. But, you know, I, I just I think it's important for people to understand, you know, people are not simply institutions are not simply buying and selling things, day trading, you know, see if I can make a few hundred dollars here like a day trader retail person would. You know, they have a series of positions that are hedged, that are allocated calls, puts, etc., based on not what's happening today, but where they see things going in the next few months, in the next year, maybe in the next two years, right? They've got their yeah. bond allocation. They've got all this other stuff. So what I'm trying to, I think the big point, you know, just to make sure this is clear is they basically said today, ah, like things are, the picture, the picture has changed, it's not about, oh, today is different. It's about, in their minds, and I'm, I'm mirror reading here, six months from now is different than where we thought this might end up. And again, yeah. that is substantial to me. I don't want to overread or overreact, but I do think, final point here, I do think something about today was different than what we've seen the last two or three months. Yeah, no, I agree. So, Justin, I mean... There are a number of people that we pay attention to that that have outlined several different paths, right? And 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 I just want to kind of make the point, moving into an additional topic. We talked in the summer that there was a path 
for some sort of midterm election bear market rally if if a few things came together. It wasn't the most probable um, outcome, but I would say it maybe had a, a 30% probability if you want to make up a number. I think with what happened today, I think that's off the table, at least at least from a, a September-October perspective. Now, if something gets yeah. reevaluated in November, December, ending the year, that'll be a separate discussion. But I just wanted to say, given that we had talked that up, I do think the, the September-October dynamic of a bear market rally um, has been, at minimum, pushed back. Yeah, I think I think that's true. And, and just like from a pricing level, you know, kind of like what I'm looking for, what I'm watching for uh, in crypto over the next few months, um, I would not be surprised at all to see Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana revisit the lows that they set i i think it was june was when they when they tapped mm -hmm. on the lows so for you know bitcoin that's like seventeen thousand five hundred, um and then for ethereum it's around 850 uh and then solana about 24 dollars. so to me that's kind of where i'm saying okay like if I'm wanting to buy a little bit, those are the zones I'm looking for. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Ethereum and Solana make new lows like that. I'm not taking that off the table for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of right. trying to prepare for both of those scenarios. Yeah, and you know, I want to be real. I mean, today today was frustrating to me mainly because I felt like we we had gained some level of. I thought legitimate momentum bouncing kind of off the lows, gaining higher highs. Um, and so anyway, in one sense, I, I, I'm a little bit frustrated. And in another sense, I want to acknowledge this really does set up a, an immense accumulation opportunity and wealth is wealth is made in the bear market. And this, this is one of the greatest financial opportunities we may ever see and you know we're going to have we're going to have more opportunity the opportunity might yep. be bigger than we thought so i'm trying to be right. optimistic uh and constructive about about it yeah no and just to clarify for our listeners when like when you say focusing on accumulation to me it's it's a it's a frame of mind so for the for the um for the last since january basically i have not even thought about like trying to make profits in crypto. <laughs> like that is the last thing on my mind. All I'm focused on is, okay, how much Bitcoin do I have? How much Ethereum do I have? How much Solana do I have? Um, I'm, I'm focusing on position size, not worrying about profits because that's in, in the bear market. Like <laughs> that, those are not just going to become, you know, it's not going to come flowing your way. Um, so accumulation is key because that's going to set you up really well for the next the next bull cycle. For sure, and, and you know we've spent some time on some difficult news. We had not planned on going into that until about noon today, <laughs> and it was like, well, we've got to cover that tonight. So, um, yeah. but I think there are some things there that are worth discussing. All right, let's transition into some more positive news. Um, so within the last seven to 10 days, there actually have been some really positive developments. There are some headlines that I think are worth, uh, worth bringing up here. Um, first one, Gary Gensler uh, from the SEC, there was a statement released 
that um, the the CFTC, which regulates commodities, commodities instead of securities, um, the CFTC will basically the plan is the thought is that they would regulate spot and futures for the future spot and future markets for Bitcoin and Ethereum, while the SEC would regulate tokens that would be considered securities. Now, a lot of loaded language there. Um, basically, the big thing here, it's it's not sort of a shock that, that crypto tokens would be treated like securities. That's been the expectation all along. Um, there's a lot of news written about that if you want to go chase after that. The big breaking thing was, though, that, that, that they may be considering Bitcoin and Ethereum as commodities. That would be treating them more like um, gold, for instance, in how they are regulated and, and, and all of that, instead of Bitcoin being treated like Apple stock. Um, there are probably tax ramifications for that. Um, some of that is sort of further down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is not necessarily 100% official. I think this is more of a directional statement, uh, maybe an in, a statement of intent. Um, but Justin, that I don't think we've heard that level of, of, of a language going that far about treating Bitcoin and Ethereum like commodities. What does that signal to you? So this is it signals it's a it's a huge step in the direction of of adoption and and and, and good regulation that crypto needs. Um, so, like leading up to this point, I think the most specific things that we've really heard from them has been like, okay, you know, we um, we need to learn more about about bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency and how to regulate it they they've just been signaling yeah we like we want to pursue this and they've even said some positive things like you know crypto um is innovation that you know we don't just want to stifle right they they want to take it seriously um but this is certainly a step in a more specific direction of, of setting the stage for okay okay maybe this is how we need to treat these assets and it's I think the ramifications of it are huge, uh, not just from a tax standpoint, um, but you know, decisions like this, if they if they actually go through with this, really sets the stage up for you know, spot-based Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs. Uh, it opens up the space for better regulations so that companies and, and institutional buyers can come in and buy crypto in a safer um, in a safer framework, if you will. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, if you remember him from Shark Tank, he made a statement on a video. I think it was late last week. And he said, and this just blows my mind every time I think about it, somewhere around 70% of the world's wealth, 70% cannot currently touch crypto. They can't. Yeah. Not because they don't know how to, they're not allowed to. They don't have the regulation and sort of the rails are not in place. So developments like these um, and even getting towards a, a spot ETF of a way for them to buy it, uh, it just sort of opens up a, a portal into a new world, uh, into a new uh, to a new bank account, if you will. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. why we're so excited about this. Yeah, the tax ramifications are minor, <laughs> very minor, insignificant <laughs> even in comparison to yeah. the, the the wealth and the adoption that this may open up. Yeah. Uh, secondly, second piece of news: Fidelity announced that come November, they are going to launch, and this is sort of a formal announcement that they are launching a Bitcoin 
uh, Bitcoin trading for retail customers, people like us, uh, in November. They currently have $4.3 trillion in assets under management. And so come November, they're going to launch a Bitcoin trading platform for all of their customers. I think it's somewhere around 34 million customers. Mm -hmm. uh, the last time I, I, I checked, again, another, another significant development. Um, these three years ago, two years ago, these, develop, these, these headlines would have been, you know, billboard material. And I feel like we, we're yeah. getting one or two of these every week or two. Yeah, I think that was funny. Fidelity has been very crypto friendly for a number of years. Um, the first, actually, when I first started seeing headlines come out about, you know, Fidelity says that their largest clients, their largest customers want access to crypto. That was in like 2018. And it was like earth shattering news. <laughs> but like you said, like now it's just, you know, it's it feels like another day in crypto. Um but I think the, the, the big thing there is, you know, this is just normalizing. It's normalizing Bitcoin, right? This, this is another step forward, you know, to a place where, you know, uh, maybe a future where, where individuals have Bitcoin in their retirement accounts. And it's just part of their portfolio diversification. Yeah, absolutely. Um, third piece of news, uh, the White House actually released a paper. This is sort of interesting to me. Um, and, and, you know, there's this energy narrative, right? And, and there's a lot to go into there that we won't dive into tonight. But the White House released a paper that contained uh, information that, that Congress may actually consider creating legislation against proof-of-work mining. Now, Ethereum is switching from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake, so they're sort of out of the woods this is really targeting Bitcoin specifically. There's other proof of work uh, coins out there, projects out there. But Justin, what uh, do you think the White House or Congress can take down uh, can take down Bitcoin with their legislation? No, I do not. Uh, if if they if they rule it out, all it would do is just push innovation out of the United States into other countries. I do think so. It's funny. I, I was reading that report and. There was a lot of um, people commenting on the report on Twitter, and, and there's some there's some hot takes, and you know there was some more reasonable takes. One of the things that kind of stood out to me is, I think I think the real angle here is this gives the government the opportunity to basically say, yeah, you can't be mining Bitcoin with these inefficient energy sources, right? So. It's, it's not, what they're not saying is we're going to outlaw Bitcoin, right? But they're positioning themselves to be able to regulate, okay, how, how you're allowed to mine Bitcoin. What type of energy can you use? You know, there's, a, there's green Bitcoin companies that are, that are in America um, and, you know, they got U.S.-based companies. But then there's also other companies that, you know, throughout the world, I'm, I'm not sure what the percentage is in America, but you know, they're, they're using less efficient energy mm -hmm. sources and it, it, you know, it, it has its ramifications in the, in the political world for sure. No, I think that's a good point. And frankly, there is a lot of, a lot of Bitcoin mining that uses energy that basically otherwise wouldn't be used, wouldn't be tapped into. Yeah. So in one sense, it's a moot point, but like you said, I mean, there are a lot of people that are just plugging up to the outlet in their house and using 
household mm-hmm. electricity to mine Bitcoin or, yeah. you know, heaven forbid their, uh, their office, uh, the power grid at their office that their <laughs> boss doesn't know about. That's a different conversation. Um, any, any final remarks on that? No, I think, I think the main thing here is, uh, I guess my takeaway is none of this scares me. Like, like them writing that paper and 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 kind of like pursuing all ideas, it's 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 not a bad thing, right? Like if if we're gonna have healthy regulation, you have to explore options, and and certainly right now with, you know, the narrative of how much energy it it takes to secure the Bitcoin right. network, you know, that's going to be part of the discussion. That's just normal. And let's not let's not let it be lost on us that the White House and Congress have documentation where they're they're literally this is a top agenda item for them right like we you know we are here we are here we made it um this is a big this is a big deal uh the last news point i want to make is the german government we've been following the story for a few months now the german government actually announced last week uh, a stimulus bill to help their citizens uh, german citizens battle rising energy costs now some of this is inflation. A lot of it is due to the heavy dependence on Russian uh, oil and energy, um, and we will not dive into that geopolitical mess. But for our purposes, uh, this is something we've been monitoring. It's something I care about. Um, obviously, I want the German people to be uh, to be to be well and to do okay uh, to make it. But for our purposes, again, inflation causing problems that are requiring basically new money to be created right these are this is sort of this vicious cycle that this 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 wheel that will not stop turning and in one sense again it does help crypto in general at some point but again this is the problem bitcoin was created to solve and i would say justin you would say it solves in a unique way that no other asset in the world solves so when i see headlines like that again my ears perk up uh, I typically like take it down, send it to a few people, uh, make a copy of it. These headlines are significant in terms of the larger scheme, the larger narrative of where all of this um, is going. Yeah. But let's get to let's get to the the merge. So, kind of third big bucket today on the podcast is the Ethereum merge. Now we are actually a lot closer than we thought we were going to be. So, Justin, fill us in on the uh, the Ethereum merge. What's the timeline? Uh, what are the things we should be paying attention to? Yeah, so the Ethereum merge is happening. Um, it's scheduled, well, I will say scheduled for September 15th. Um, it's not really scheduled because it's basically already set in motion. Um, and then basically as Ethereum goes through its block confirmations, it's going to get to, let's say, block number 20,000. And it's going to then like the merge will happen automatically. So um, basically, um, the Ethereum developer community, like they've done their due diligence, they've set it in motion, uh, and it's it's that block should be mined um, around the fifteenth, uh, somewhere in the you know in that twenty four hour window. So uh, we're about forty eight hours um, out of that right now. Uh, just from like a how to treat this uh like from a i don't know like not i don't want to say investing perspective but i i always love to take opportunities like this to kind of tie it back to okay what does this mean for buying and selling um 
typically when events like this, and this is a major event for Ethereum, but like when big events like this happen in crypto, a lot of times the price um, is increasing, you know, for a month, two months, three months leading up to that point. And honestly, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what's been happening to Ethereum over the last, you know, month or two. Uh, it's been surging and outperforming the rest of the crypto market um, pretty far, actually. Uh, and, you know, obviously today, you know, there was a market-wide uh, adjustment. So, but main thing there is usually it pumps, the price pumps up to the event. And then if you've heard the term, like, sell the event, like, that's that's where that comes from. You know, because usually when, by the time the event actually happens, um, everyone's already bought their positions. And then kind of, you know, the pump runs out of uh, runway, if you will, and then usually crashes. So that's kind of how I'm expecting it to play out. I mean, Ethereum could continue to pump, you know, for the next several weeks. But I think the big thing to signal is I'm expecting the price to move downward. And even though the merge is happening and it's a really cool event, I, I'm not just setting my expectations to like, oh, it needs to continue. And then if it doesn't continue, then something's wrong, right? So <laughs> just tampering, or, or I said not tampering, but you know, setting expectations is important. Right. Yeah, the, the focus of the merge is three, five years and beyond, not not the next yeah. three to five days, right? In terms of price and all of that. So that, that's, that's helpful. Um, one sort of housekeeping logistics thing, if you happen to listen to this before the 15th, before the merge happens, um, I've gotten notes from a few platforms, FTX, Coinbase, and a few where I have you know, accounts or funds. And there, there was a note about just basically during the time frame around the merge, uh, you'll have to check with your platform about exactly what they're going to do. It should be easy to find. It's a big event. Um, they, they are going to be halting some Ethereum withdrawals, trading, deposits. My my best advice would be just I, I just don't be moving Ethereum around. Um, you're just gonna just wait. Just don't don't be sending it. And even if you're not buying and selling it, if you're sending Ethereum from one wallet to another, you are using the Ethereum network. I would just I would just hold off uh, until you mm -hmm. sort of know the coast is clear. I don't know the ramifications of that, but uh, Sam Bankman Freed FTX said don't, and so I trust him, and he knows a lot more than I do. So he knows a lot more than you do. Just don't do it. Um, now, Justin, one question. I think we tackled this in our Ethereum episode a couple months ago, but I have been seeing a few notes about this. I just want to confirm with you. People do not need to, quote-unquote, like, buy Ethereum 2 tokens, correct? Their Ethereum proof-of-work tokens are going to be automatically, insert word here that I don't know, migrated, adjusted, turned into Ethereum proof-of-stake tokens. Is there anything about that that's important? But my understanding is they don't need to do anything. I don't need to do anything. Is that correct? Correct. You, as a consumer, as a, like, if you're just buying you know, spot Ethereum on an exchange and you're storing it in your wallet or wherever, you don't have to do anything at all. Um, there, there are ramifications for like, you know, teams that are building applications built on Ethereum, you know, NFT communities that have to work through more complicated things, but that's because they're building software, right? It's, it has nothing to do with the token holder. So, um, yeah, everything's perfectly fine and safe there. But like you said, it's probably wisest to just kind of 
stay put for a few days um, on whatever Ethereum you're holding and kind of, yeah, wait till we get, you know, sort of on the other side of the merge. Awesome. Well, I mean, again, this has been four years in the making for Ethereum. Uh, it seems like they're, yeah, this is not simply a, well, we tried it three times. Let's try it again. Uh, it seems right. like everything is is good to go. So fingers crossed. Uh, this is a this is a huge engineering um, thing to take on. So yeah, I'm I'm rooting for yeah. him. I, I want it to, uh, yeah, want it to succeed and get on the other side of this. It's, in one sense, we can stop talking about it, but that's a different uh, that's yeah, a exactly. different topic. So, Justin, there was a, a conversation I was in the other day, uh, shifting gears here, kind of our final talking point for uh, today's show. You know, being in the bear market is difficult. Um, trading crypto is difficult. Um, I have I have friends that have started to trade crypto and have stopped, which is their prerogative. I have friends that heard me talk about crypto and kind of just decided not to do it. No worries, they're prerogative. I have friends that remind me uh, that crypto is going down and why is it still going down? It's crashed, it's broken. Um, and, and there's something I, I thought to myself. I thought, you know, if this all goes the way I think it's going to go, the way you think it's going to go, you know, and looking back, isn't it going to seem just like, well, what, you know, why didn't you tell everybody or why didn't everybody do this or why didn't everybody see this? And, and, and I, I kind of just thought... Well, what is it about crypto that, that is unique and that is difficult? What does it take to really win in crypto? And I came up with three really specific points that I think in the bear market specifically, in the bull market, you don't have to actually have this. In the bear market is when it's shown. Yeah. Um, so I want to put these in front of you and talk about them for a second. So winning in crypto takes three, three things. Number one, the ability to see the future. Nothing weird about that. Basically, but just understanding where things are headed. Sort of an inevitability that these things will happen. Um, even almost an idea of the future is clear. It's the present that I don't fully understand. And, and that's kind of how I feel right now. So secondly, you're able to stomach the volatility. And what I mean by that is in any given investment, you can risk a 50 to 80% paper loss if you don't sell on an investment in the short term, that you have the ability to stomach that. And then third, you're actually willing to buy the bottom. And I don't mean the exact bottom. I mean I mean now, even if we go lower. We are, we are in the bottoming process of the bear market. Willing to buy here. And, and I, I sort of will put on that when people call crypto dead, when they make fun of it, when they say, you know, congratulations, you know, whatever. And they, they sort of mock you a little bit. So able to see the future, able to stomach the, the, the volatility and willing to buy the bottom. Tell me what you think about that. It's hard. Um, but I will say, you know, it, it's hard in the moment, right? Especially to, to buy when the crypto is so low. But honestly, in, in one aspect, it almost feels like the easier path, right? Because if you're only buying after everything's already gone up like crazy, you're buying Bitcoin at the top of the cycles at, at $3,000 when, when that was high, at $20,000 when that was high, at $60,000 or $70,000. 
right? You're basically writing it down the whole bear market, right? Versus, you know, establishing your positions when no one else wants it. It takes guts, but that actually makes the bull market, um, not just a lot more exciting, but it like, it's, it makes it easier to take profits. Like it makes, it makes navigating the crypto space a lot easier when you're able to establish your positions at such low pricing. So I think that to me, like that is, it, it is hard, but it also makes other things a lot easier. It's just those things come later, right? And it, it doesn't always, right. you, don't, you don't realize it right away, if that makes sense. Yeah, because in the bear market, it's like, it, it, you know, if it's, if it seems more likely that Bitcoin would not return to all-time highs, that Ethereum would not end up doing, you know, a 10x from here, if that doesn't seem likely to you, you know, maybe you have a different sort of thesis than I do, than yep. Justin does, but maybe it's just because you just haven't thought enough about where all of this is going or you don't understand how Ethereum fits into the, right. the equation. My point is if you cannot really see that future, you're not going to invest in a volatile asset. There's no way, yep. right? Um, but if you can, it, it changes the game. I wanted to mention, so this idea of volatility, talk to anybody over 50 years old, over 45 years old, talk about crypto. I promise you that you will hear the word volatility in about the first 60 seconds. I hear it every single time. I get it. It's volatile. But we always talk about volatility as a negative thing. Yep. Volatility goes both ways. However, you only experience, to me, this is a huge point. If you wait till wait to buy till all the lights are green and everything is moving in a friendly direction and all all systems are go, if you wait to buy until then, you will only experience the volatility in one direction. And that's down. Yep. You will never experience the volatility going up, right? And that you have to buy here. I think you just made this point from a different angle. You have to buy here if you want to experience the volatility going up. Now. Be careful what you buy. That's why we have core positions. There's a lot of nuance right. there, but I'm thinking just really, really big picture. Yeah. Um, and and going back, you know, we have our core four, um, you know, that you can see on our website, and and like I think those things are really important when you're, um, anytime that you're buying crypto. But but right right now, it's it's just as important, right? So having a four-year mindset, right, and, and looking out over more of a, a longer horizon, you know, that's going to help you kind of stomach buying Bitcoin at 20000 and then watching it go to maybe fifteen or wherever it ends up, or buying Ethereum at, at 1500 what it is today, and then four weeks from now, yeah, it could be at $850. Um, that's just the reality of the situation. But if you have that long-term horizon, and like you said, you're seeing the future. You you see, you know, the value proposition of Bitcoin, the value proposition of Ethereum, and, and you you don't have to understand the technology in an insanely de you know in depth way, but that's going to help you navigate those immediate what feel like losses. Right? It's only a loss if you sell. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> but you get what I mean. Like you know, no one wants to buy something and then watch it lose fifty percent of its value. You know immediately that's not fun but um the reality is if you want to win in this space uh and kind of hit your ceiling you know, like like let's win big you you've got to have you know the 
the conviction to really set yourself up for that success. And that means buying now and buying throughout the bear market. Correct. You know, and obviously, you know, people need to do what they're able to, what they're comfortable with. The thing that I really wanted to tackle was, you know, if you're not able to buy in this season, maybe it's because of, of one of those, one of those three, one of those three things. Um, and maybe that just means that you need to go head down a little bit and, and do a little more research, do a little more digging, ask, ask really good questions, ask better questions, ask more questions. Um, I, you know, I'll say this for me personally. Um, I really don't invest much of anything from any kind of get rich quick perspective. Um, I, I almost don't even think about it as buying Bitcoin anymore. I, I don't really think I'm buying Bitcoin. Like I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately like I'm moving out of U.S. dollars in into a different asset class. Like I want my my I want my my wealth and my value. I want, I'm changing asset classes. I'm not buying Bitcoin and hoping it doesn't go down thirty percent. Justin, I told you today, and, and again, hear this, you know, with nuance, right? I don't I don't really care if Bitcoin goes to seventeen or fifteen or thirteen. That is actually not why I'm moving dollars into Bitcoin. It's not because of what Bitcoin's price is. It's because of a financial situation that I see coming that I want to avoid and I want to have protection against, right? I buy Ethereum for different reasons. I buy Solana for different reasons. It's just, but, you know, and again, I I understand everybody hasn't spent the same amount of time on it that that maybe you or I have, but that's, that's where we're thinking, right? And if you have those convictions, when it's cheaper, it's actually easier to buy. Even though it doesn't, mm-hmm. I'll admit, it doesn't always feel it doesn't always feel great. Um, and that's one thing. Another, again, it's like it's easy to talk about buying when the prices drop. It feels very different when it actually happens, right? So again, I'm I'm yeah. sympathetic there. Justin, any final talking points on that before we uh, before we get out of here? No, I just think uh, the well, the final thing I would say is you know we're talking about volatility and one of the major points I wanted to mention is volatility on the, on the upside. Um, crypto, like 99% of the time, crypto is insanely boring and it feels like it's going sideways. <laughs> and really like Bitcoin, if you look, if you zoom out and you, and you actually look at the price movement, it makes insane, um, just insane upward movement in in very small uh, time periods. So uh, it's not like it just goes up gradually, you know, for two years. It's it's like it pumps hard and then it consolidates for a while and then it pumps hard again. So you know, one of the things uh, I guess I would encourage people is to have that in in your perspective along with the you know the four year time frame because um, the one thing like you don't want to do is is be on the right thing and and have a great opportunity right in front of you and then you get too cute trying to like trade it because the volatility uh and then that big move happens and maybe maybe you're completely on the sidelines or maybe like you you know you had just taken profits on half of your you know your stack and and you really missed the opportunity um so not only not only all that but like during the during the bear market, 
I want to buy and accumulate crypto with a long, with not for trading. I'm not even going to think about trading right now. I just want to grow that stack size. Like you said, accumulation. Absolutely. You mentioned the core four. I'll just tag at the end here. Um, you know, everybody keep your stuff safe, keep your assets safe. Um, periods of volatility, we don't know exactly how far the price will drop, but the last time we had a series of cascading drops and liquidations in mid-June, you know, we saw we saw Voyager um, take a pretty hard hit for a completely different set of issues that they got caught a little bit on. Um, and some people, you know, either lost their assets or getting their assets back. It, it's not fun. So I would just say, even if you're on a very safe exchange, right? Um, it's a, it's a good idea to consider. It's always a good idea to consider using a hard wallet. You know, we recommend uh, Ledger Nano. Buy it new. Do not buy it used. Um, but I just I think that's always a good idea. Even if even if the risk yep. is is in theory small, it takes that risk of you losing your assets to. A platform getting going bankrupt it takes that risk off the table all right well thank you guys for listening to us tonight sorry justin were you gonna make one more point no i jumped no, right in good. on your statement sorry no you're good you're all good. right no worries <laughs> thank you guys for listening tonight um a lot of stuff that we had to get through it's an exciting time it's a weird time uh but we are going to get through it together so for justin uh, i'm brandon Thanks for listening, and we will see you all next time. For more information, check out our website at blazingcrypto.io. Additionally, if you have friends that are new to crypto, share our trailhead videos from our website, which is a great way to get introduced to crypto.